Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to The Playlist Podcast, a weekly discussion of films and TV. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist, and this week, I hate to say, we're a man down. Unfortunately, Brian Farver (laughs) isn't able to join us, but I still have Mike D'Angelo here to give his input, so I guess there's that. Hooray! (laughs) How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing wonderful. How are you, Charles? I'm doing okay. We uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Oh yeah. Um, this week we're talking about the film that everybody's been waiting for, literally, because it's been delayed for months and is finally arriving on Christmas Day. Yes, we're talking Wonder Woman 1984. And to help Mike and I discuss the highly anticipated Wonder Woman sequel, we're thrilled to have Sharonda Williams join us for what should be a lively discussion. How are you doing, Sharonda? I am doing absolutely fantastic. We can finally talk about Wonder Woman. Yes. Hey. Yeah. So for those that don't know, Sharonda is the founder of payorweight.com. She's the host, producer, and creator of her own YouTube channel, also called Payorweight, where she does reviews, interviews, and all sorts of other film and TV content. Needless to say, she's overqualified to appear on our podcast, so we're happy to have her aboard to talk about all things Wonder Woman 1984. So welcome, and uh, should be fun. Before we get to discuss Diana Prince and her battle against Maxwell Lord, you should know that the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the Discourse, Be Real, The Fourth Wall, and more. And as always, if you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, anywhere else you find your favorite shows. Okay, so the main event, Wonder Woman 1984. This is a film that finds Patty Jenkins returning as the director, bringing along star Gal Gadot. For yet another adventure, this time they're joined by Kristen Wiig, Pedro Pascal, and yes, even Chris Pine, but we'll get to that in a bit. This film fast forwards to the 1980s as Wonder Woman finds herself facing two all-new foes, Max Lord and the Cheetah. The film is the highly anticipated sequel to the 2017 film Wonder Woman that earned more than $820 million worldwide. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984 has also been the source of controversy due to its much-discussed release strategy that sees the film debut both in theaters and on HBO Max on Christmas Day. But again, we'll get to all that later. So first, we're going to talk about the movie. But we're going to keep it spoiler free at the beginning. So if you want to uh, wa- listen to us before you watch the movie, feel free. I'll give you plenty of warning when we actually do to dive into spoilers. But for now, we're going to keep it spoiler free. So Sharonda, how about you give us your overall thoughts on Wonder Woman 1984? Yeah, so for me, I like the movie, mainly due to the messaging that it had. I think that is very relevant to what all of us are going through right now with the current pandemic. And I just think that as we get into the final act of the film, it really drives that message home. But I think overall, it's really Gal Gadot who really seals the deal for me for enjoying the Wonder Woman 1984. It's just the presence that she brings to Diana Prince. It's just, like as I said in my review, it's like a rare level of humanity that I see from her, that she just makes you truly care about Diana 
care about everything that's happening to her. And I think she really upped the ante um, for her performance, which is something that I really enjoyed from the first Wonder Woman. However, I do think that it falls short in regards to the action. Um, the action was very lacking in the film for me. There was so much happening, but not enough actually happening on screen to keep me engaged, especially when it's like, especially in the action sequences. I think the movie starts off with a really big punch. I love the opening sequence that happens, but I never felt that the movie came close to that again for the two and a half hour runtime. Yeah, that's fair. Mike, would you agree with her? What do you think? We just watched this movie. Yeah, we only watched, you finished it a couple hours ago, and I'm still kind of processing it and, and kind of t- wrestling with my feelings for it. But overall, I, I did kind of land on the, the side of enjoying it uh, more than I disliked it. But there were definitely, you know, likes and dislikes about it. I think, like you said, Sharonda, Gal is Wonder Woman, so she really kind of is the heart of the movie. But there are some great other performances. Chris Pine is is excellent again. This time they kind of switch with the whole fish out of water role. This time he gets to be kind of get gets to be the the doofus of it all in the the new world and and kind of figuring out the eighties. Whereas you know I I was really worried going in that both Pedro and Kristen just wouldn't work as villains, but I thought Pedro like was absolutely phenomenal as Maxwell Lord really, really enjoyed just like how much he really, you could see him like having a lot of fun with the role. And Kristen during, when I was watching all the previews, I did not, I wasn't sold on her being like a badass villain. And I, I thought she got there. I thought, you know, she earned the, the, the villain kind of role that she's, she's taken over of, of Barbara uh, Minerva or Cheetah. But overall it, it was like, I, I, to to kind of get ready for this movie, I rewatched the first one. I rewatched the the first Donner Superman and Superman two, just because I know Patty Jenkins loves those movies and she was really looking to reference those movies. So I wanted those fresh in my mind. And and really, I'm glad I did that because, man, it, it it's got Donner Superman or Christopher Reeve Supermans all over it as far as like really embracing the like idealism of those movies and the cheese of those movies. So I felt like, you know, I was in an eighties double dare episode and there was like all this color and action (laughs) flying all over the place, but then I'm just getting doused with instead of, you know, ooze or whatever they're dropping on their contestants. It was just a pile of cheese. I'm just getting doused in cheese. And for the most part, I thought it was pretty good. Usually I don't like it when, when films are overly cheesy and, you know, sentimental, but I, I, for the most part, I was on board with character motivations and stuff like that. They did make it a little overly, you know, quixotic or, or dewy eyed for me at times, especially towards the end. But for the most part, I think the performance has kind of saved it from being, you know, a total uh, mess, which it was very close to being at different times of the movie. So overall liked it, but, you know, definitely have my my picky points. Great. So now's the point where I ruin everything and tell you yeah, how much I dislike this it. movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did not like this movie hardly at all. It's, it's difficult actually for me to think of one good thing about this movie outside of uh, Gal Gadot's performance because you didn't like Pedro. Oh no, man, I loved Pedro. No, no, no. Yeah. Lord, no, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Gal is great. She's incredible she has presence you can't help but look at her when she's on screen and that's not just because she is a very beautiful woman but she just has that sort of charisma 
that modern actors just strive to have. She just like effortlessly has it. So she's she's great. Everywhere, everybody around her. I'll I'll give Chris Pine credit for being the doofus because that's really how they wrote the part. He yeah. he's basically a plot point and and little more than just kind of like hey 80s joke here and 80s joke there and and I was, I was kind of bummed by that but everybody else i did not like Kristen wig at all i got serious uh jamie fox amazing spider-man 2 <laughs> vibes from her uh, maxwell lord i get what pedro pascal was doing um i could see he was he i think in interviews he said he's like completely hamming it up and that's awesome he, he goes for it i just think that when you have him hamming it up in a movie that's already, like you said, Mike, pretty cheesy and campy. It just it makes it even worse. I <laughs> I hate to say this and I don't say it lightly. I feel like this is the Joel Schumacher Wonder Woman. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I not a fan. And and Sharonda, you're right. The opening scene in this movie, which takes place on uh, the mascara, is is really fun. It's exciting. It's you know, it has a good message. It feels uh, maybe a little too on the nose with the message, but it's exciting at least. That's kind of the whole movie is is too on the nose, but yeah, yeah I yeah. agree. <laughs> but you, you're absolutely right when you say that like nothing else in this movie kind of reaches that level again. The action yeah. is pretty, pretty lame. Part of that is for story reasons, which we'll get to in the spoiler part of this. And part of it's just because I, I think that the movie's two and a half hours. Like it's a long movie. And there are stretches where there's just not a lot of action happening. And that's not to say that these movies have to be wall to wall action, but when you have pauses uh right before action scenes, you expect those action scenes to kind of like excite you and and kind of get you jazzed and, and ready for more. And these just don't live up to the the hype. <laughs> for lack of a better word yeah, so there's there's no no man's land scene no that's for no sure. nothing comes yeah, close I, go ahead do you think that for me i felt as though the movie just felt so long and for me i really thought that it was because we had two villains this time i felt yeah. like we had to keep going back and forth and we had to keep adding more story to have both villains make sense for the movie and mm-hmm. and and what's terrible about that is the same trap that all these comic book movies fall in. And I'm a huge comic book nerd, love the comics, love superhero movies. But every time you see two villains in one of these movies, you immediately think like, oh no, like this is it, it's it rare shortchanged. Yeah, and yeah. and unfortunately, I think Kristen Wiig kind of gets shortchanged more. But oh, both yeah. of them definitely yeah. Yeah, but both of them kind of come off worse for the wear because you aren't able to explore both their kind of side plots uh, fully. And it's that same sort of like amazing Spider-Man thing where you have too many villains there. Batman movies have done this before. There are just so many instances where you just have more than one villain and it just is never good. So yeah, that's, that's also a problem. And when you have two and a half hours, you would think like, Oh boy, it should be plenty of time. Yeah. Like it's enough, but I kind of compare Wonder Woman 1984 to how I felt about Aquaman as far as villains. Mm. Um, you have two different villains, but I think the biggest issue that I had between Aquaman and Wonder Woman 84 is the, the story arc for Cheetah versus Black Manta. And it's kind of the issue that I have with DC as a whole is you have all these great stories for these villains, right? There's mm-hmm. like literally several different backstories that you could have done for Cheetah, you know, by itself. 
And I didn't feel that any of it really, I, I feel like because of the main plot point of how we kind of get to our villains, yeah. it totally changed who Barbara Minerva is as Cheetah. And I think that's where I was let down with Cheetah in the film. It wasn't because of Kristen Wiig, it's from a writing standpoint, because it doesn't really pull from the source material as much as I would like it to. No, no, and 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 we're going to uh, get into spoilers in a second because this is for anybody who's listening who hasn't seen the movie. Definitely don't go into this with spoiler, like don't read spoilers. <laughs> I mean that goes <laughs> without saying, but but for this movie especially because it's really interesting to watch this movie fresh. Unfortunately, the plot point that Sharonda is referencing is something that I I kind of was made aware of through. Uh, you know, just working on the playlist and editing our review and all that. And it is a shortcut that you're right. It does not benefit anybody. It it deviates so much from the comics when you don't have to, that it makes everything less interesting. They do a similar thing with Maxwell Lord. And it's it's a bummer because these are characters that have such a rich history in decades and decades of stories that Patty Jenkins could have picked any one of these and it would have been probably more interesting than what we were given. Before we move on to spoilers, just quickly, I want to go to Sharonda. And if you could give me like an overall letter grade or, you know, what you think of this movie that way, that would be great. For me, I'm going to go with a B. I mean, I think because of the message, I think that it really lifted it from kind of the C level that I had due to the lack of action and really just the story as a whole. Um, but for me, I'm still invested in this franchise. I still hope that we get another Wonder Woman film. Um, I just hope that we can really up the action going forward and really tie in a little bit closer to just have better villains going forward. Mike? I'd, I'd probably say B, B minus, probably B minus, just because, I mean, for me, the message was a little too heavy handed and a little schmaltzy and, and over idealistic for me. But, you know, I, I'm there. were you a are lot a of crotchety other, old man. So, I yeah, that. I am. And uh, but there were things that definitely worked for me uh, within the movie. And I, I thought Pedro Pascal was phenomenal. So uh, I guess I'm alone in that. But I'll, I'll <laughs> totally take that. That's fine by me. But, yeah, I, I hope that they keep this kind of trajectory where they have. You know, the first movie was this kind of dark war movie with a bright character in the middle of it, like a real, you know, bright heart. And this one was just like glitz and glamour of the 80s uh, to the maximum with a heavy amount of cheese like the, the 80s blockbusters of the day. So I'm hoping whatever decade they set it in, whether it's the modern day or the 90s or whatever, I hope it feels totally different from the ones that have come before that they can just kind of do their own thing and not have to worry about real carrying over some of the cheese and, and whatever uh, from this this film. But, you know, overall, I, I, I'd i see it again. I'm still kind of wrestling with my feelings, but B- is pretty solid. Okay, and uh, this is where I bring down the curve. I'm going to give this a D+. Plus. It, and not that's the a worst passing movie. grade, man. D's get degrees. <laughs> Yeah, not not the worst movie I've I've ever seen by far, not the worst movie of 2020, but I can't help but be very disappointed in this movie. As a fan of the first one, well, like anybody, a fan of the first two thirds of the first one. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, this one is just such a departure for me. It it it's yeah, it makes me kind of bummed overall for for where this franchise is going. So yeah, not a huge fan. So with that. 
I'd like to transition into spoilers. Okay, so now we're going to talk about this film, Wonder Woman 1984, and we're not going to hold back. We're going to mention all the spoilers that we can because we've seen it and we're here to get into the nitty gritty. So, Shronda, I want to start with you. You can go deeper into the villain question if you like, but is this the sequel you were hoping for? Is there something from the first movie that you were hoping to see in this one and it just wasn't there? Well, you mentioned it earlier with No Man's Land. That was such, like, I remember rewatching it on a plane and I literally just started crying at No Man's Land. And I'm not an Such a good scene, yeah. It's so good. And mm-hmm. I'm not an emotional person, but there's like there wasn't anything that made me feel that way. And I felt like there there's a scene, you know, when she saves the kids, like after it was, it's the first <laughs> thing that happens one hour and twenty minutes into the film yeah. that it takes for you to see Wonder Woman again, an hour and twenty minutes into a two hour and thirty minute film. Um, and I was just like, well, I was worried for the kids because I thought the kids got pretty banged up. I was so did like, I. After that scene, I was like, <laughs> those kids are dead, right? And yeah, then they, like, they don't have a scratch on them. It's I the craziest like, thing. Ma'am, you literally were just bleeding. So I know you couldn't have saved these kids. So <laughs> understand they're okay. But I was just like, the scene just felt so messy. I almost wanted them to go and reshoot it because I was just, I was so worried about the kids. I couldn't even focus on the fact that she actually saved them because <laughs> they were hurt in the process, but it just never, there's nothing that came close to no man's land. No. My issues is just really with the villains, the villains in the film, they don't raise the stakes. Like pa- um, Pedro's character, he just lucks up on like being in control of the entire world. It's not even like he's a scary person or that he can't be beaten. Is just he literally just outsmarted Diana for the time being, and that's yeah. a problem for me. And we don't even get Cheetah until for five minutes until like twenty minutes of the film about that's about to end, and it's so quick. I was just like, did we need Cheetah? Like, no. do you feel like we really needed Cheetah for this movie? No, no. And and you mentioned this when we were talking non spoilers that Cheetah is a character. This is like Wonder Woman's arch nemesis in the comics. Like yeah. this is that she should have been given her own movie. And Maxwell Lord also has some pretty pivotal moments in the comics with Wonder Woman that deserve their own movie as well. And to have them both uh, shoehorned in this in this movie is so disappointing. And and just to put it out there, the the Dreamstone or the Wishstone or whatever it's called <laughs> is the laziest thing I've seen in a superhero movie in decades. We're talking – the whole intro to this movie is about don't take shortcuts, right? Like yeah. you have to earn it. Don't take shortcuts. If you lie to get what you want, it's not worth it. And then the whole movie is one big shortcut, right? Yeah. How do we make Barbara Minerva cheetah? Well, she wishes upon a stone to be like Diana Prince. Done. How do we get Maxwell Lord to have powers and be a formidable villain? He wishes on a stone to be all powerful. Done. Like, what? <laughs> how do we wish or how do we get Steve Trevor back? She wishes upon a stone to have Steve Trevor back and done. Like, it boggles my mind that in 2020, given two dozen Marvel Studios movies, Nolan's Batman movies, the first Wonder Woman, just all of these high watermarks for superhero movies and somebody thought that this was okay. <laughs> Jeff Johns. 
<laughs> I just, I don't even know. But I don't even know. But I it's crazy because, I mean, even with the cheetah situation, there's a friendship there. Like, there is. Well, a, there was for like five minutes. Well, mm-hmm. you, in the comics, there's like a deep friendship. That's yeah, why yeah. Diana wants to save her. You know, even though she's this horrible villain, the reason why she's like a big arch nemesis of hers is because Diana is trying to save her and like bring her back to the good side. But and even and it's crazy with the whole stone thing, because there's a whole story arc in the comics that would have been way cooler for them to actually delve into, especially since Diana and Steve, they were like traveling all over the world in the in the movie. I was just like, it was right there for you to have Barbara go on her mission, yep. discover how she became, like, you know, I don't want to go too far deep into the comments because there's so many different variations of Cheetah, but I just, I don't know. I just wanted it to be separated. I actually really liked um, what they did with Chris Pine's character because I thought that I wasn't actually going to enjoy him being back in this movie, but I think that was really the best part. And if I'm rooting for a romance, over everything else in a comic book movie, I think <laughs> and I know I'm probably going to go to hell for this and it's okay, I'll probably get my feminist card taken away but it's fine. I've really been asking myself since watching it a couple of, watching it over a week ago is it because Diana is a woman that we focus so much on the message and the romance of it Hmm. Instead of just folk, like she is a powerful, she is a goddess. She is like this powerful woman in the comics. And I don't think we really fully get to um, look at that in the film. And I think that we boggle her down with this lost love, with this humanity that she has, which is what draws us to Diana, what makes us care about her. But I just wonder why we don't get enough action in her films. And it really bothers me because I feel like if it was any other character, they would focus on the action. Like that's the whole purpose of this comic book. You're in this alternate reality where anything is possible. And we don't get to see that in Wonder Woman. And that's a problem for me. I'm glad you brought that up because they end the first Wonder Woman and she defeated a god, right? Like she defeated Ares. And we start this movie with this showing that she's such a powerful young girl, you know, years ago that she was competing against grown women on her in her home island. And then the entire movie for what, two hours plus they depower her. And (laughs) it's such a lazy thing to do when you have a character that's so powerful that you feel like the only way to make them interesting is to show them weak. And. I think it does a disservice to Wonder Woman as a character and Gal Gadot as an actress and the story by not allowing her to be this Superman level badass, you know, like let her fight somebody. If if it's a matter of you don't think Cheetah is interesting enough or Maxwell Lord is powerful enough, then come up with another story. Like give us the movie that shows Wonder Woman being the goddess. And and we don't get this in this movie. She is spending most of the movie pining over Chris Pine. No pun intended. <laughs> Jeez. And and being non-powered almost. Like there are points when they, they literally make her so weak that Chris Pine has to help her. And we're talking Wonder Woman. Like why does she need to be rescued by a guy? It just – yeah, it boggles my mind too. There's – 
it just bothered me so much. It makes me think of Flashpoint, the Mm. animated, uh, because literally that's the only, the the animated films are like the best films. um, (laughs) I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, like Diana's literally killing people before your eyes. Like she does not care. She is like, someone's like, you need to do something about her because she is a problem. And then we come to these movies, it's so light and fluffy and it's just like, uh, she's so much better than this. And I even hated how she got powered up in this film. Yep. Of Steve, like, teaching her how to fly. I was just like, what? (laughs) So (laughs) watching this movie, there's that scene when they're flying and she says to Steve, you know, I'll never understand how you can do that. And he says his little thing. It's poetry, basically. And, And it's so choreographed that... You know, as I'm watching the movie, I said, "Okay, remember what he said when she's in the air. I was like, remember what he said. You'll be able to fly. And that's exactly what happens. But when she uh, I started laughing at this movie, unfortunately, and I started laughing at this movie when they literally renounce their wishes. I I joked with uh, my wife that it reminded me of the scene in the office when Michael Scott declares bankruptcy (laughs) and he says, I declare bankruptcy. And they're like, no, you can't do it that way. In this movie, they literally say, I renounce my wish, and she's powered up. But what leads her to that is her crying to Chris Pine, saying, I'll never love again. And he's like, <laughs> yes, you will. You're a strong woman. And she's like, no. And he's like, yes, you will. And and God, it just, it just brought the character down to this level that I just it, – it made me cringe. It made me upset. Damn. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the corny stuff you guys are complaining about, I just felt like that was Patty Jenkins, like, trying to make the 80s movie she never saw with Wonder Woman in it. Like, the 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 whole, like, wishing stone or whatever the hell it was, I, that feels straight out of the 80s for me. So I was just kind of trying to roll with the corniness and the cheese as much as possible. But, yeah, there were definitely times that, that were overwhelmingly corny. And, and picked... You know, I hate it, like you said, Charles, when they depower, you know, superheroes. I just watched Superman 2 where they did that, and there was really no lesson learned from it. And, you know, they do it here. They've done it in Spider-Man you know, 2. Spider-Man 2. He did it. Yep. Uh, it's just every time I don't enjoy the, you know, the depowered part. It's always just a drag. And and that was yeah you could have easily probably cut a half an hour out of this movie and and still had a pretty solid you know little two hour film, but you know overall I thought some of the performances were were better than you're giving credit but we'll 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 leave that for for something else. I think that the, I think it's literally because of the performances that yeah. the film is not from a writing standpoint or there's no action that's happening. It's literally because they're doing the actors in the film are doing the best that they can with what they were given. I think that's what saves the film as a whole. Like, I don't want to take anything away from um, Pedro who the whole time I was watching him, I would totally be like, he would have made a, he would have been so great in American psycho. I just want to see him. (laughs) That's such a good call. Like literally the whole time I was watching, I was like American psycho. But, um, and I think Kristen Wiig, she really surprised me. I think she really took the role seriously. I like what she brought to it. I like how she had a nice balance. It wasn't too much comedy. Um, it was really a lot more of a serious tone for her. But I also hated, I mean, I, that kind of goes to the comics. I'm not even going to dock it for that. But I think that they did, I think everyone did great with what was given. The armor, by the way, we got to get to this. 
she literally has this armor in her closet this whole time yeah, and like wrapped steve, up and steve walks in and says so what's this she's like oh it's this really great armor it's an indestructible the best you know warrior wears it you know she defeated all of mankind with this it's it's pretty great and he's like oh cool and then they just don't think to maybe like wear that like earlier <laughs> i'll take your silence or, as admission that this is no terrible. i i totally agreed <laughs> with that then she takes the armor off at the end so i was just like didn't you need the armor like she kind of <laughs> throws the wings off and i was just like well what was the point she'd have had her way with it and, and then it was done yeah she just scratched like, it a couple times it wasn't as pristine as before so diana's like oh well what the hell yeah that just, that and on a practical standpoint i i heard in interviews that she literally could barely move with the wings on so they had to <laughs> and it was obvious the way they were cutting the action like she was barely able to move with that thing. I was watching it extra close just because I knew. So, yeah, it, it, they had to find a way to remove it pretty quickly, I'm sure. Here's another question. Did she need wings? They just showed her flying. Yeah, she for all practical purposes, no. But, hey, they look cool. They did. I will give her this. When she shrugged those wings off, I was like, OK, that's badass. That's pretty, pretty badass. Yeah. That was pretty badass. I even like the helmet. I wish she would have kept the helmet on a little bit longer. But, you know, I digress. What did uh, you think about Cheetah's, like, the CGI? Yeesh. It <laughs> reminded me of, well, A, the end of Wonder Woman, the first one, when Ares showed up and it just ruined it with the CGI. But also uh, Venom from, what was that, two years uh, ago now? Yep. That whole in battle where it's just so overly CGI that you just kind of, the, the stakes are gone. It didn't feel real. They were, it felt like they turned Diana into Spider-Man for that fight. Because she was using her rope like webbing and just swinging. Yeah, that lasso around. did some work in this movie, dude. Yeah, the lasso is the MVP of this movie. Let's be real. <laughs> but yeah, I was not a huge fan of Cheetah's look. Uh, I wish they would have gone much more practical with it. Agreed. Yeah, I, I would rather see a practical Cheetah, or or at least have it to the point where she's not even Cheetah yet. You know, they could get to a full fledged Cheetah later. If anything, they could just kind of plant the well, seeds for. It. it was rushed anyway. She was Cheetah. Yeah. Back yeah exactly yeah. i just like that we we knew that cheetah was getting more and more evil the shorter her skirt got uh <laughs> that was a quick little thing Ooh, and then she sexy. got spikes yeah uh, <laughs> because we all know that sexy means shorter skirts and darker eye makeup that's true. basically <laughs> um what did you guys think you mentioned this at the beginning sharonda with the the kids that should have died that didn't die we got to remember that the way she got to those kids was by a missile being shot, the lasso grabbing the missile, and her being pulled by it and swinging on a missile. That is the, I guess, the biggest action scene of the whole movie? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Every action scene was in the trailer. There was yeah. No, yeah. no action scene besides what was in the trailer. Um, I don't know. I can't even answer that question because... I'm still really shocked that they wrote it that the kids were going to take a tumble like that. and it was like, <laughs> they, It's not that they wrote it that way. It, it, I laugh because I just am replaying the scene in my head. She literally falls on the kids like they break her fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she rolls into them. <laughs> um, I, I want to uh, quickly touch on Steve Trevor. He comes back, but it's not the way that I don't think anybody predicted. There's no time travel. There's no alternate dimensions. He's not like the great, great grandson of Steve Trevor that looks identical to him. She wishes, uh, and by she, I mean Diana, wishes that Steve comes back and he 
I guess his essence occupies a random hot guy in DC. Mm -hmm. And the way that Chris Pine comes back is that uh, Diana is so smitten with this idea that he's back that she doesn't even see the real guy. She sees Chris Pine, which I kept thinking about that throughout the movie when they're making out or when they're, you know, like holding hands and walking and she's introducing this guy. This is poor guy. Uh, And we do see him later in the movie. This poor guy is like hijacked for Steve Trevor and Diana Prince. And that's weird to me. Am I the only one? It's a little weird, but I, I, again, it was one of those like super cheesy eighties, almost body swap kind of comedies that I was just like, okay, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Like I'm willing to roll with this. There were a lot of choices like that. Like her lassoing the rocket and saving those kids that were magically unharmed. Totally fine with that scene just because it was, it was super cheesy. And I just, she lassoed a bullet too. Let's not forget that. Yep. Yep. Totally fine. I just watched, you know, Superman two. I was almost going to watch Superman three, which probably would have really put me in the right territory. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, there were a lot of absurd things that happened in the movie, but they were fun and, you know, or so ridiculous that you're just like, this is, this is, I, I guess I'm rolling with this. This is fun enough. Go for it. Sharonda, you, uh, you said before you were on board with the whole Steve Trevor of it all. Do you still feel yeah, that way? I was okay with it. I was just like, yeah, I'll go with it. It is what it is. It's so early. <laughs> Like it happened, I think if it would have happened later, then I probably would be like, okay, this is where I draw the line. But since it happened so quickly, I was just like, oh, okay, well, I guess it makes sense. Because when you <laughs> said the whole like, you know, great grandson or something, I was like, that's creepy there. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, Erica and Peggy thing. Peggy yeah, Peggy. yeah. So I was like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I'll let this slide. I just wanted Chris Pine's back so bad. That I was like, cool, let's just roll with this dude. I don't want to see the other guy. Let's just have Chris Pine be Chris Pine, and I'll be fine with this. So I, the, I do wish they would have shown that. I, I do wish they would have played with that a little bit, though. Like, right. Was she introducing, like, when she introduces him to, I think she introduced her to Barbara. And she was like, oh, he's a pilot. I wish they would have shown, like, the actual guy meeting her. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the only thing to just help remind people like, hey, like he is not he's not supposed to be here. He's not real. So. Or, or she, have, have the or government she... literally hunting him at the end because because <laughs> he broke into the White House. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I think it would have been hilarious, actually, that you mentioned that, Sharonda, if they had her introduce him to like one of her coworkers, and she's like, hey, this is Steve. He was a pilot. And they're like, no, it's not. That's Bob. <laughs> he lives right next door to me. What are you talking about? Actually, yeah. I wish they would have played with it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I, I referenced this when I was talking about it in the non-spoiler section, but I, I joked that this is probably the Joel Schumacher version of Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And I I want to go a little deeper. I got Batman Forever vibes on this. and They straight up stole apart from Batman Forever almost. I even said it out loud while we were watching it. <laughs> the Edward Nigma thing, yes. The Edward Nigma bit. But uh, what I mean by that, and, and I want to get your thoughts on this, guys, is – I felt like you go through Batman and Batman Returns, right? We're talking the the Tim Burton ones, super dark, super their own thing. And then you get Batman Forever and it's like, whoa, it's like super bright and neon and and crazy. And from there, the next one is Batman and Robin, which kind of goes off the deep end into camp. This yeah. to me feels like that that tipping point. Like this is Patty Jenkins maybe going or showing her true colors, so to speak. 
And this mm-hmm. is kind of the Wonder Woman she has in mind and that she wants to do, like, you know, referencing Donner and all that. Am I completely crazy? No. She's it been pretty can. straightforward about loving the Donner Supermans and wanting to make a movie with Wonder Woman like that. So this is pretty much her version of that, I'm I'm feeling. I'm sorry I cut you off, Sharana. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just asking, did you feel like it was campy? Yes. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I always with Pedro's character. So here's the thing. I'm all for a over-the-top of, like performance, especially in a villain. Like Jake Gyllenhaal in, in Spider-Man Far From Home, he's really having fun with it. There are so many people, uh, Kate Blanchett in Ragnarok, that, that go campy and it's fun. I just think that Pedro is in his own world through most of this movie. And when there's so much other camp going on with the um, – well, with all the kind of like silly stuff they, with the powers and the dreamstones and all that, that the silly kinda, saves. Yeah, it's just like I, it was just too much for me. It was a bridge too far with Pedro Pascal. Uh, I wish the rest of the movie around him was a bit more reserved. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I think there's camp for real. Yeah, it's definitely far more unleashed than the first film by far. And I, I did miss that, like, serious Wonder Woman, but I was willing to roll with the campy Wonder Woman as long as we get a totally different Wonder Woman the next time around. You know, I, I'm fine dipping my toe into each pool and, and kind of figuring out what I like best. Another problem I had with this movie, and, and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, wrong. I feel that this is – yeah, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> I feel that this is the same story that we got last time. It's the same mm. love story. It's Chris Pine – and and Wonder Woman meeting, falling in love, and then Chris Pine having to sacrifice himself for the greater good to give her her power and to sh- prove that she can overcome it. I, It's a bummer because I think it works so well in the first movie. Their chemistry was off the charts in that first movie that when I saw this again, I saw where it was going, I was just completely let down. And, and then to have the whole third act of this kind of devolve into – the cheetah fight is all cgi and then it's so over the top with the instead of the power of love overcoming it was like the power of truth maybe i don't know but either way i i just felt like this kind of retread a lot of the same stuff what do you guys think i don't know i've like i kind of want to say yes and then I don't <laughs> join I the think, dark side it's fun <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think the difference is because in the first one they're trying to stop this war right and you understand mm-hmm. that there is so many different moving parts to this and there's so many people trying to fight um, what's happening on so many different levels um, that I felt it more. That's why I like that no, man, no Man's Land scene hit so hard. But I just felt like with this, it was just so like, it was just, it was just chaos everywhere. And it was just so much happening for no reason that I don't know. Like, I, I feel you where it's like, of course, Steve has to sacrifice himself again, and then Diana has to be all depressed because she can't be happy and be a superhero. But <laughs> something still felt different, and I, I would say it's a little different because I feel like the villains are there are no villains in this film. But yeah, so I can see how people could say that it's like the exact same storyline. Um, but I just think that the it's just so chaotic that it it doesn't feel that way. I feel like there was a purpose for every character in the first one. And in this one, I don't feel that way at all. So yeah, that's yeah. a little different. I, I felt like the villains were the weakest part of the first one. 
but this one, they they actually felt like people to me. So that's why I'm a little more on board with the villains for this one. Uh, they had flaws. They had, you know, you, they had real reasons for doing what they did and, and wanting to be what they wanted to be or what they wished to be. But, it, you know, it, it didn't come together as, as well as I would have liked. It, again, it was that, you know, her standing there, you know, saying – love can conquer all or whatever she did at the end of the first one and, and this one it's it's just kind of a, a corny similar thing where she's whispering to herself and somehow everybody can hear and <laughs> i don't know it, it, there's definitely some some corny bits and i could call the plot you know from the first trailer i saw so i wasn't surprised by any of the plot you know beats that happened throughout the movie but you know for the movie we got i was still you know Certain things were better than I thought they would be, so I think that's why I come out so much more, you know, high in the grading scale as far as things go. I want to uh, talk about something else about this movie. We have to discuss the fact that this is now arriving in theaters and on HBO Max on the same day on Christmas Day. Given our thoughts on the movie, I think it's safe to say that all three of us, we don't feel that this is nearly as good as the first film. Is this a sneaky way for warner brothers to dodge a bullet by releasing this movie on hbo max so that they don't have to worry about any sort of box office numbers obviously they wouldn't have anyway but you know it just feels like this is pretty pretty convenient that they can release it straight to cable and you know call it a day yeah i disagree with that because they were going to make they were going to make their coins off of this regardless if it was good or bad like you think it would have been a billion dollar movie yeah no not with covid well, no, no, no. I'm just saying in a in a non-COVID situation. Yeah, I think it would have hit over a billion. I mean, yeah, I do too. Yeah, I mean, the first one was a surprise. I don't think it was on everyone's radar like the second one was. So now for the second one, they would have had a built-in audience, you know, especially with the success of Captain Marvel. I'm sure they would have amped all of this up. I feel like they definitely would have hit a billion. I I personally felt like they should have waited. Why lose all this money on this film that you could have easily made? Like, it's easy money. You don't have many comic. It's what? It's just, it would have been Black Widow, Wonder Woman. And honestly, I don't, I feel like the biggest mistake that was made by Warner Brothers was even being scared by Captain Marvel in the first place. They should have let Captain Marvel come out in March and they should have released Wonder Woman in the summer. Like, I don't even understand why they moved it in the first place. Well, so that's interesting because I, uh, in preparation for Wonder Woman, watching the sequel, I read an interview with Patty Jenkins and she said that um, the original date, which would have been what, like, I think you said like three months after Captain Marvel last year, 2019, for her to do that, she had to, uh, she was doing a TNT limited series that she planned on directing the whole thing. And they told her that they moved the date up to that June. So she had to quit that and only directed two episodes, rushed to do Wonder Woman. Wow. And then basically told them, hey, guys, if you really want to hit this date, this movie's going to suffer. So that was part of the reason why they ended up uh, delaying it the first time. So just so you know, it wasn't them scared of, of Captain Marvel. At least Patty Jenkins says that it was more that the quality of the film would have suffered. So, but the reason I also talked about the box office is this film is entering other territories in theaters only. And one of the territories is China. 
China, I don't, you guys probably aren't nerds about the box office like I am. China has actually fully recovered pretty much uh, as far as box office goes. They have movies debuting over $100 million. They're doing like record numbers again. And Wonder Woman 1984 debuted at half of what the first film debuted at. Um, which is pretty shocking. So that's that was also part of my concern is that, you know, maybe this movie isn't playing so well. But yeah, maybe it would have made a billion. We'll never know. I feel like the the first one was too big of a hit. And the word of mouth is actually still pretty good. Like you look at Rotten Tomatoes, it's certified fresh at 80% right now with 142 counted reviews. So I, you know, you're in the minority here, Charles, as uh. far as like likes to dislikes so i think you know people would probably have looked at rotten tomatoes and been like oh i'll risk it i liked the first one and they would have went and spent their money so but yeah with covid being the way it was at&t not warner brothers was the ultimate decider in just saying we're gonna we're gonna chalk this up to you know uh we're gonna write this one off and and we're gonna try and juice up those subscribers so and that's what they're doing with the rest of their slate which look at their freaking wallet right now they must have so much money that they can just be like you know what we don't need billions of dollars we can just kind of <laughs> take the hit and uh give that to hbo max so you know if it helps go for it you know if they really feel like this is gonna juice up hbo max to the point where it's gonna be a competitor sure i mean i'm gonna keep it for these movies for yeah. sure even though, yeah. even though we're gonna see them for free beforehand for some reason i'm just gonna keep it yeah uh, so for for hbo max it's gonna do probably the best numbers that they have and they'll tout the hell out of it and, you know, promote the next one, you know, off the back of it. So I think it's, it's only good things for them. Well, since you brought up the next one, I assume you're talking about wonder woman three. We all know no matter what, there is a third wonder woman it's coming, but Patty Jenkins has, uh, in a variety of interviews said that she is unsure about coming back. Part of it is, uh, she's got this little movie. It's like this little indie movie called Star Wars Rogue Squadron she's working on. And that's not coming out until 2023. So she's pretty booked up until then. Clearly, Warner Brothers is going to want another Wonder Woman out before 2023 or by 2023. So all that to say, it doesn't sound like Patty Jenkins will be involved. If she is, it's still going to be a few years till we get another movie. So let's just say for fun, she's not coming back. We'll start with Sharonda. Who would you like to see? take over this franchise and lead Wonder Woman into the third film. I hope I say Chloe Zhao. You know, I I think it's interesting what, if I'm looking for someone who can still keep the message, right. That they have with Diana, that messaging that they have of hope and from the first one to the second one, I feel like, especially after watching her direct um, Nomadland, um, great movie. I really feel like she can really branch those two worlds together and give us the action film that we deserve, but also too, while keeping the heart of the film of what Patty and Gal, what they kind of started with this franchise. I think that that would be a really great choice, especially to see what she has with her upcoming Marvel film to see what she's going to do. I don't know if they will be able to steal her away, but I think yeah. that would be a choice. Yeah, I think uh, I think she said in an interview recently that she approached Marvel and said, I want to work with you guys. So it may be a, a, a tough sell. But I mean, yeah, I mean, she's a great filmmaker who wouldn't want to see her tackle Wonder Woman. And I think if there is a property that would sway her from uh, Marvel to DC, Wonder Woman being like a premier property might be it. So, yeah, 
Uh, Mike, do you have any thoughts on who you'd like to see direct a third one if Patty can't come back? Yeah, for sure. Number one for me would be Julia Hart, who directed a movie called Fast Color um, back in 2018 uh, with Gugu Raw and David Strathairn. Um, that was kind of a cool little indie superhero flick that had some, you know, heart and really interesting approach to the whole like sci-fi, you know, genre with superhero-ish elements to it. So I think she'd be a great choice for that. It, it would be de- a definite step up from like the indie sci-fi world. And I think she showed that she could do it. But uh, yeah, there's always other directors out there that, you know, are dream directors. Of course, Catherine Bigelow would be a great choice and everybody would love to see, you know, that that movie as well. But I, I think she's a little busy in the, the the political drama realm to kind of pop her head out of that. <laughs> I would have loved her uh, to anything. Yeah, I would have loved to see her direct this movie, right? I mean, yeah. she did point break. Like, sh- she can do 80s action, so that would have been fun. I'm going to throw some names out there that I was thinking of, let you guys chime in. The first one I got is Ava DuVernay. Now, I know she's attached to New Gods, and that seems like it's a cheat for me to to say that she'd be great on Wonder Woman. But it doesn't sound like New Gods is happening anytime soon, and she's proven that she's willing to take a DC property. So, love to see her on that. Do you guys object? I don't necessarily object. I, I've just been a little iffy on on some of her directorial work. Like it depends on what it is. A Wrinkle in Time really was not great for me. So uh, that's why I was kind of like going into the new gods as, you know, kind of fingers crossed. Hope it's good. Selma's great. But, you know, I don't know. A wrinkle in time did not sell me on her, so I was I, I was hoping she'd rebound with with new gods, but who knows what happens with that? Sharonda, am I crazy? No, I don't think you're crazy. I mean, wrinkle in time is such a hard thing to adapt anyway, but yeah. Oh, I'm look, I'm here for it. I mean. <laughs> I mean, I don't think any of us would say no to it. For sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, I got another one for you guys. Lorene Scafaria. I'm probably butchering her name, but she's the director behind Hustlers. Yeah. From oh. 2019. That'd be uh, interesting. That'd yeah. Be really and she could probably get J-Lo in as, as some sort of villain, right? <laughs> yeah. That would be awesome. All right. Got um, another one. Clea Duvall. Happiest season. Everybody loves happiest season. Oh, I didn't. Give her. Not everybody. Oh. <laughs> oh, you did not. I definitely had my irks with it. Like, um, it's, like it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's not, it's not the greatest thing ever, but... Boy, it's got some memes. <laughs> Most definitely. All right, another one. D. Reese. Oh, I would definitely be here for that. Yeah. Mudbound, great movie. All right, this is my this is my for real pick. Karen Kusama. I know she's doing. I think she's doing Dracula or something right now. But underrated director. Jennifer's body is underrated. She also yeah. did The Invitation, Girl Fight, and I know she did Aeon Flux. I get that it's not a great movie, but she's awesome. I grew up on that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that a lot of people give her shit for that, and I, I dig it. So, you know, whatever. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad pick. I really liked Invitation, and Destroyer had some really interesting yeah, elements Destroyer. to it. Uh, I've actually never seen Girl Fight, so I can't can't really speak to that. But I, I do know I hated Aeon Flux. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I just thought of this one because I love Queen and Slim. Uh, Melina Matsukas, I think oh. is how you pronounce her name. Yeah, uh, that's a good movie. She'd be great too. And Jennifer Kent, 
who directed The Babadook and also Nightingale. Uh, she would be decidedly darker for Wonder Woman, but I think That'd it could be work. an interesting get. Can we go darker? Can we get it? Can I just get a, a remake of the animated Flashpoint just live action? <laughs> well, you weren't know? they trying that for years yeah. with Flash? They're trying to do Flashpoint. But it, yeah. it, it seems like it's going to be a very specific WB flashpoint. Yeah. Ever kill Mira. Like, come on now. I mean, yeah. you could totally could do it. I mean, they're going to reverse it back. But I'm just saying, <laughs> like. I will say, if you want to make Wonder Woman, like, the coolest character on the planet right now, have her rip Amber Heard in half and you'll have the internet <laughs> loving you for days. Right? I'm, like, I'm totally, I will pay top premium dollar to just get a live action flashpoint of like the animated version though. Like I a top down that. Absolutely. Flash and, is one of my favorite DC characters, so I'm I'm really pulling for that movie. Uh and and all the casting, you know, news for it sounds interesting. So I I'd love to see an actual flashpoint adaptation, but I doubt that would ever happen. Yeah, because uh, it's been a while since I read the comic, and I have not seen the animated movie, but I assume it's it's pretty similar to the comic. Where isn't it? Uh, Diana's like leading the Amazonians against um, Arthur Curry, Aquaman, and the uh, uh, Atlanteans. That's kind of the the premise. Yeah, well, only because I mean he was well because the Flash changed everything too. Well, right. yeah, Flash changed it, but he was cheating on her, and so she killed. She got. Mira was talking about the side of her neck, and Diana just killed her. It made Arthur mad, so then everyone started beefing. Wow. Yeah, that, <laughs> see, that would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. I'm so here for that. Just let me know, okay? Me know. <laughs> I'm so signed up for that. Whatever they need me to do, if I need to start a petition, I am your humble servant. Change.org. Change.org, yes. <laughs> Hashtag release the uh, Sharonda cut. Um <laughs> How how about this? Since we're talking about it, uh, where Mike has said he wants to see the third one go in a completely different direction. Uh, we talked about which directors we like. Do you want Flashpoint to be your Wonder Woman three? Do you just want a darker Wonder Woman? Uh, where do you guys see the third one going? And is it going to be as campy as this? Can I just get Nubia? Is that too much to ask? <laughs> that Nubia, for those who don't read the comics, is a new character they're introducing, right? Well, no, she was in uh, she was in an older issue. I mean, basically, Nubia is Diana's sister. Like Diana was made from white clay, Nubia was made from black clay. They come into contact with each other when she's like, I don't know, if she's in Africa somewhere, and Nubia almost like beat the brakes off of Diana, and then they realize that they're sisters, and they were kind of like carted to two different places, like two opposite parts of the world, and raised separate. So they're actually sisters. Dude, I want your movie. That sounds awesome. <laughs> it does, right? Like, that's really cool. And I know that they're doing, they just, I, I had my wires crossed because I know they're reintroducing in the comics or introducing in the comics, uh, yeah. what's her name? Uh, Wonder Girl. It's a new Wonder Girl. And they're actually doing mm. a CW show based on this new character. So, yeah, that would be interesting. But, yeah, Nubia for sure. That would, be, I, I would love for them to, because I think one of the interesting things about this franchise is everybody can agree that the stuff on Themyscira is like it's the coolest. The best yeah. The best. Yeah, it's very cool. So why not dig deeper into that, right? Like I, I yeah. I don't want a prequel though. No, yeah. no, no. 
No, but okay. you can you can have like like a return uh, to Themyscira, that kind of thing. That sort of thing, or she meets like Anubia, somebody from yeah. her past that she didn't know was from her past, or you know, some links back to that part of her. Because um, I damn sure don't want to see Chris Pine return, and and please just bring us to the present day. Let's stop playing with these. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. we don't need this to go X Men. You know, we don't need to go every ten years. So, Mike, where do you want to see the third Wonder Woman? Honestly, uh, I just want to see Sharonda's movie that she just described. <laughs> that sounds freaking <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I think it'd be a really interesting, like, half villain kind of. Obviously, they would, uh, you know, end up teaming together towards some greater villain towards the end. But I think that'd be a really interesting introduction into the, the DC universe. So, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely here for that. We'll see how. You know, the Snyder cut of it all goes and and leaves the character or, or if they decide to continue or from there, or if they're just kind of I feel yeah. like they're there. It's just going to be like this movie where barely any of the, the first ones acknowledged except for the Chris Pine of it all. And, you know, uh, they're just going to do their own thing. So and that's probably probably for the best. So modern day. I love the idea of Nubia. Uh, th- what would the main villain be then, though? I'm not sure. Not even well, they sure. ruined it with having well, Cheetah in this, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when Nubia could be a villain in the beginning. True. Sure. But they still have to team up and fight the greater <laughs> or the big bad. <laughs> Let me think on that. I will tell you the one thing I demand, demand from the third movie Call her fucking Wonder Woman already. <laughs> sick of these movies being scared of the title. Call her Wonder Woman. Call Aquaman Aquaman. Let's just call Superman Superman. Let's just do it already. Hey, they called uh, Aquaman Aquaman and Justice League, bro. Uh, does that movie <laughs> even exist yeah, anymore? Yeah, really. It technically doesn't. Zack Snyder is, is going to erase it from existence, according to fanboys. But we'll see. Yeah. Ugh. But yeah, I I was fully expecting if this is an 80s movie, they talk about this mysterious hero that's saving Washington, D.C. Why not call it call her Wonder Woman? Whatever. <laughs> OK, uh, before we wrap up, any final thoughts from you, Sharonda? Give me a live action flashpoint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mike, any last thoughts? Can't disagree there. I need to see this again. Like, I'm yeah. really wrestling with myself. I, I try not to let you bring me down, Charles. But I know. I'm such I a killjoy. You really are. Uh, I need to I need to watch this again. I'm sure I will, you know, on Christmas Day with my kids or something like that, because, you know, I'm sure they'd like the few parts that are really colorful and crazy. The cool part is, is in uh, by the time this this is released it'll be available for everybody to watch on hbo yep. max in 4k and you'll never have to step in a theater again so <laughs> woohoo i guess oh uh, uh, yeah <laughs> all right guys thank you for joining me that about wraps up our wonder woman 1984 discussion again it's going to be on hbo max going to be in theaters if you have the chance and it's safe go support it in theaters please prove to warner brothers that this movie can actually do decent yeah so Thank you, Mike, as always, and Sharonda, thank you again. What's your Twitter? Pay or wait. Pay or wait. Pretty much across the board, right? Yep. Great. So <laughs> check out your stuff. Your videos are great, too. You even got cosplaying it a little bit. I saw your Wonder Woman review, and, and you, you dressed the part, so that's awesome. May my Nubia, please. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.